Hello, welcome to the Redhead and the Bearded Beauty. I'm the Redhead. And I'm the Bearded Beauty. What do we have going on, Tyler? So we got a lot going on. Uh, recently, last week, we just talked with uh, the mayor and we were out talking uh, snow removal. So Snow was... removal, our, our annual snowdio. Yes. Uh, snow rodeo. And that's always a popular briefing. <laughs> it is. It really is. Maybe our most popular briefing of the year. It is after the, you know, that one and the sweepers of the plains. Yes, yeah, sweepers of the plains. So yeah. Those are probably our two uh, most popular things that we do that... The snowplow site breaks like at the beginning of every year. It's not really because of all the people visiting it. It's the buildup of data that it, the trucks have throughout the year. But yeah, so that we had our first winter storm, winter storm yesterday. Yeah, so. I was rather disappointed when I woke up this morning <laughs> and there was nothing on the road. Anticlimactic. Yeah. Just, but like you don't know, it's Kansas. So we prepare for the worst and, you know, it adjusts hour by hour. But yeah, the, the meteorologists say we're going to get, you know, anywhere from two to five inches. So that means nothing to 10. It, yeah, we got 0.4 and we actually broke a record. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the previous record was 0.3 of this day. But we so we, we broke a little record. Oh, so, awesome. We're yeah. shattering records there. Look at us. We're doing so. great. And speaking of uh, snow plows, you, you're taking on a little mission to <laughs> name the snow plows. I've wanted to do this for a while. Uh, it's not a popular project. Um, it is logistically uh, difficult. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of communities name their snow plows and they'll do a contest, contest to like name the snow plows for the community. Yeah. I didn't do that. You just I, came up with some names. I have named them. <laughs> and honestly, when you first sent out the list, I was sitting there looking through. I was like, I want to name one. And no. I, I could not come up with anything better. You know what? We've, we've got a lot of them. Um, I tried to represent all genres of music um, and uh, as much as I could. And some we've got some highbrow. We've got some lowbrow. Um, Sparty Van Halen, Eisenplower, uh, ICT. Um, it runs the gamut. But we have 60. So we have 60 snowplows to name. Not all of them are on the roads at all time, but you can, w w the, the problem is we have to track them on the back end with numbers uh, and have the name forward facing. So we think we figured that out, but we're just dealing with some internal logistical issues. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's never easy inside City Hall to get stuff done. No, we, we have to do things very methodically, which is which is good, but also. And there, there's a rhyme and a reason to why Definitely. everything is done, but it can be rather frustrating 100%. Not just this project, but. Yeah. All, Lots of projects. All projects. Like you're working on the website, so you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I thought we would be have it built by now, but yeah, we haven't. We're still working on it. We're close to having a vendor in place, but it's it will have a better product in the end because of all the stuff and all the people we have to bring in. So moving yep. forward, it'll it'll be great. But yeah. yeah. But yeah. There's projects like this, like the website is obviously very important. We take precedence, but naming the snow plows is like you have 23 minutes and yeah. we very rarely have 23 minutes yeah so, exactly except yeah. when we film these <laughs> but you know i i think when you get on that snowplow tracker seeing spready van halen yeah as opposed to snowplow 34 One, two, yeah. 19 <laughs> you know that's it, it's just goodwill pretty cool community yeah. stuff so uh, speaking of goodwill for the community we do have a community survey that launched online last week um and it's it's on our social media and forum we really want people to take that. It's, you know, we, we do the, it was the National Citizen Survey that we did every two years. They were bought out by Polco. So it's on Polco. Um, you do have to register just so that they can track data and make sure that, you know, results are as valid as possible. Uh, 
online. You know, it's, it's not because we're big government and we want to track every move everybody makes. <laughs> Although we have gotten accused of that uh, <laughs> for this <laughs> survey. No, we just want to know <laughs> what your priorities for city services are. Are they parks? Are they streets? Let us know. So um, that's going to be open until, I want to say, November 28th. Don't quote me on uh, You would know better now. Yeah, but um, yeah, really important. You know, we also did paper surveys, which are a little more scientific. So if you got one of those, make sure that you uh, turn it in. It's it's important. It, it helps us to see where the priorities of the community are, um, how they rank those priorities. And, you know, so kind of it helps shape what we do year to year. Very so good. We, we plan on doing that more often. It used to be every two years, and we're going to try and do that more often now. So please, if you get that survey, please fill it out and yeah. return it to us. So, yeah. um, what else we got? Thanksgiving coming up. Is that next week already? Is right. it? I don't think. I think it's next is week. It next week? Yeah. Are we? I'm looking at the calendar right yeah, now. Look at the calendar. I'm pretty sure it's next week because the it's girls the girls are out of school next week. So. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. So, so it's we coming have a, up. So uh, we have a short week. Yep. Um, yeah, we've had to move things back. Like we have the mayor show, which is usually once a month. We're gonna film it because we can't do a, a live because of Thanksgiving. So yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah but uh so thanksgiving do you like to i know the pd podcast they talked about this are you a fried smoked baked turkey person mm, i don't care um i'm a don't i don't care person i don't care yeah very good what about I, you i smoke turkey every you smoke year. a turkey yeah yep. do you brine it first mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely and then yeah. yeah stuff it with i think one year i put a like a can of Bud Light in there. Oh, we do that with chicken. Yeah. We call it beer butt chicken. It's yeah. really tender and good. Yeah. yeah. Very good. So yeah. I, might, I don't know if I'll do the Bud Light again. Uh, yeah. But, well. My dad used to use Old Milwaukee's Best, <laughs> which is like the worst, <laughs> the worst beer <laughs> that he loved. So very good. So, uh, so I guess some safety tips for those who uh, are going to be smoking turkeys mm-hmm. or I guess frying turkeys would be the the bigger one. Uh, yeah. Don't fry your turkey in your garage or in your house. Make sure you're doing that outside. Yeah. We have fires every year. Don't do it. And uh, then don't fry a frozen turkey. Make sure you yeah. give that a couple days to thaw out. Come on, guys. Plan ahead. Plan so, ahead. Hey, I've seen the videos on YouTube. It, they drop a frozen <laughs> turkey in there and just blows up. So Maybe we should go out to the fire training center and do a video we tried that once we didn't have a frozen turkey but we overfilled the thing with grease trying to get it to catch fire and explode and apparently whoever brought the fryer Uh brought one of those that had the safety stuff in place (laughs) so we were making it overflow and we had all the media out there to get video of it oh no and no it just it didn't explode the grease came out and it didn't explode it just kind of i don't know if it shut off or what it did but it was anticlimactic and yeah so then people thought it was safe to do (laughs) so then yeah people are dropping turkeys and (laughs) grease going everywhere oh no but no it didn't work so what was funny though was it was out at the fire training grounds and Mm -hmm. one of the recruit classes they just went out throughout the day after that and checked on the turkey and they were gonna have a fried turkey in the evening nice that's awesome that's awesome yeah um also you know it's cold out i've i finally turned on my heater i'm i'm one of the last ones to do that but if you have like a space heater don't plug those into uh like power strips plug it directly into the wall we have issues with that every year too so yeah. uh, it's an annual reminder that we do but it's you know worth worth giving worth reminding everybody so mm-hmm. all right uh speaking of cold weather and uh we have our 
homeless outreach team. They do a lot of work with the homeless and yeah. helping get information to them before the cold weather comes. So yeah. we have uh, Officer Nate Schwedahl, uh with us today. He's going to be joining us here in just a moment. So let's bring Nate in. All right. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with Nate. There are about 160 lane miles of dirt streets in Wichita, many of which are in established areas developed decades ago. Property owners in the affected neighborhoods have opted to not have their streets paved for many reasons, including the financial burden of special assessment. Recently, the City Council approved a new program to gradually pave these streets. A total of $31 million is budgeted over the next 10 years, which is expected to pave 25% of Wichita's dirt streets. The program's first priority is to pave dirt streets in close proximity to schools. Once those streets are completed, paving will be prioritized using U.S. Census block-level poverty data, specifically blocks with the highest percentage of individuals below the income poverty level will be prioritized first. This paving process will not include curb, gutter, or surface draining improvements. For more information, please visit wichita.gov. And welcome back. We are now joined by Nate Schwedahl with the uh, Wichita Police Department's Homeless Outreach Team. Nate, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Nate, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, well, I've been a police officer for 20 years, 21 years now, actually. So I uh, worked downtown my entire career, uh, got into community policing, and then uh, started our homeless outreach team in 2013. And who is Nate when you're not an officer? What are you doing outside of work? What am I doing outside of work? Um, well, I'm married. Um, I like to go to concerts, love live music, that type of thing. So, just, yeah. All right, very good. We like to kick these shows off with a little game called Two Truths and a Lie. So, do you have yeah. your Two Truths and a Lie? Okay, I do. All right, so just name, do all three. All three. Yep. Okay. All right. Um, I love cats. Um, I drive a 20 year old car. And I wrote a poker book. I feel like you don't like cats. Uh, yeah, I was going to go with cats. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a dog person. Yeah. <laughs> Just something about the way you said that. It yeah. seemed like, you know, no, no cats. <laughs> I'm not a good liar. <laughs> what, you wrote a poker book? I did, yeah. yeah. Are you a big poker player? Yeah, yeah. I was, and then COVID hit, and they shut down a lot of poker rooms in Vegas. So uh, not as much as I was before. Yeah. What's your poker book called? Um, it's called Ace High, Mastery okay. and Low Stakes, uh, Texas Hold'em. Where can you buy your Amazon, book? Lulu.com. This has become a commercial for your book. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this episode is paid for by... Yeah. <laughs> by Nate's book. All right, Megan, you got... All right, I do. Um, so we just had our first winter storm. Winter storm. You know, they were like an, an inch and we got less than half an inch because um, it's Kansas. So... We have nine brine trucks, um, over 60 snow plows, and three dispatch locations that we give out snow with. I'm going to go, I'll let you go first because I'm pretty sure I know it. The brine trucks? Brine trucks. Oh, yeah. I'm going with that one. You're right. You're right. We we only have eight brine trucks, but we do have over 60 trucks that they actually convert to snow plows but yeah yeah. i'm now really boring with all of my knowledge of snow operations because every time we have a winter storm we do like stand-ups about what we do and stuff so now it's just yeah ingrained we must be vibing this morning because i also have salt and sand of course you do yeah so we have approximately six thousand tons of 50 50 uh, salt sand mix in addition to that this is all part of the same 
one here. Mm-hmm. We have roughly 1,700 <coughs> tons of straight salt sand available in reserves to make an additional 35,000 tons of salt sand mix if needed. That's one. <laughs> the Wichita media is addicted to our salt, and we don't plow residential streets because we want everyone to get stuck. The, did you say the Wichita media is addicted to our salt? Yes. What? Yes, it's true. Every season, they're like, how much salt sand do you guys have? I mean, they, we get the same question every single year. I mean, we do. They, they want to know throughout the year, how's the salt supply? That's, I mean, that's true. Um, Was there a year that we didn't have enough? I think mm. several years ago. I mean, we always had enough. Yeah, but we, we replenish after every winter storm too. Yeah, I I will say that I don't I don't blame them for always asking that question because we get the same questions too. Do you have enough drivers? Do you have enough salt? Yep. Are you are you ready? It feels like the salt is the big one every year, though. Do you have enough salt? That's the first yeah. question they ask every time. We do we do get that question quite a bit. So that is not the lie. Um, sorry, say the first one again. You're going to make me repeat that? Yeah, I am. All right, we have, you're going to look it up too, aren't you? I've got it in my tweets. Okay, we have approximately 6,000 tons of 50-50 salt sand mix on hand. In addition, we have roughly 1,700 tons of straight salt available in reserves if needed, enough to make 35,000 tons of salt sand mix. Well, you're wrong. We have roughly 17,500 tons of salt okay, sand mix. Okay, don't tell me wrong. <laughs> That's not the lie, though. Well, we don't plow residential streets because we want people to get stuck. Well, I was going to make you read the third one next, but you're still yes. wrong on the first one. I was off by 500. My bad. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. What was it? Did you? <laughs> we don't plow residential streets, but it's not because we want people to get stuck. Man, we're getting caught up on. I thought that one would be easy. I but need your lies we're about <laughs> salt sand getting all right, out there. All right. Let's, let's get on. <laughs> let's move on here. Nate, so uh, tell us a little bit about the homeless outreach team. How did it get started? Um, well, uh, like I said, I was working downtown my entire career, and uh, we didn't have a hot team. They were homeless outreach teams were kind of rare at that time, and um, half of my nine one calls are homeless related. And I just kept seeing the same homeless per- people that we were booking in jail. They were getting back out on the streets, and then the next day I'd catch the same guy doing something else, and then he would go to jail. Just a revolving door, and uh, you know, we weren't. I felt like we weren't making a difference in our community. And in fact, maybe even worse because. Know, stacking on fines and tickets they can't pay for them and then um, it's clogging up the court system that type of thing and we weren't nothing was changing so um, that's when I started doing some research and a new um, agency had started a new homeless outreach team in Colorado so I went out there got trained and the concept is actually the opposite that it's, it's if you can get a homeless person stable into housing it reduces their chronic homeless population or their chronic uh, homelessness and then all their vagrancy arrests so there was a study done by University of North Carolina Charlotte that showed that by 84%, you could reduce those vagrancy issues. So from a law enforcement perspective, if that's our goal, then it doesn't necessarily have to be tickets and fines if we can look outside the box and, and do kind of non-traditional type policing. And I think it's really that's our goal. That's our performance measure set by the city is to we have to house over 100 homeless off the streets and into permanent housing. That's our goal. I mean, it sounds like social work, and maybe it is in some aspects, but there's a huge advantage with police homeless outreach teams. If you wake up in the morning and there's a tent in front of your front yard, and you're like, whoa, I don't want that, who are you going to call? They're going to call the police. So as a first responder, we have an opportunity there to obviously address the concern and the issue, but then how do we take it a step further, and how do we prevent this from reoccurring again in the future and breaking that cycle? And that's really what our team does is, 
uh, focus on getting these individuals off the streets and stabilized so they're not returning back to that park or setting up that tent again or causing issues in the community. Now, since launching the team, you've been recognized nationally for the work that the HOT team is doing. Correct. Um, You've been to D.C., and you've helped other agencies set up their own homeless outreach teams. Kind of tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, so uh, a lot of different agencies hire me as a consultant, um, IACP, National League of Cities, VCPI, and uh, some other, and Department of Justice. Um, So, and really it's, you know, they're one a baseline of, I, we got so lucky they listed us vcpi listed us as a the best model out of like 50 different um, versions of hot teams in the nation so that's one of the times when i went out to dc um got to uh, go up there and present for about a week you know with them and then they came back to wichita and did a documentary um, on us so that was really cool to hear and then to be able to go out and train other cities to do what we're doing and implement in their city it's that's awesome and it's it's fun to do yeah. Now, I know I've, I've done ride along with you before and got video of you out interacting with our homeless population. And it was several years ago that we did that ride along. And then fast forward a year or two or something like that, we were doing one of a, a success story with someone. And I happen to recognize that was someone you were meeting with that had recently been housed. And now he has a job and he's, you know, he's better. So tell, tell us a little bit about some of those success stories and some of the things you see as this moves forward. Are you talking about uh, Rooster? I, th- I believe it was Rooster. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was, for one of our first success stories, it was, uh, you know, he was chronically homeless in the streets for 20 years and uh, chronic alcoholic. And he was one of those guys that went through the system over and over again. And we ended up getting him clean and sober rather than going to jail. We went to inpatient treatment. And then he was able to come out clean, get into our housing first program through the city. And then we worked to help him get a job. Now he lives on his on his own. He has two cars, and um, we we talk still on a weekly basis with him. So, and really, that's what our team does: is how do we break that cycle? Even if it takes a little bit longer and long term, you know, how do we do that? The other thing that's important is our team. You know, a lot of times you look at law enforcement and homeless as um, they don't mesh very well, right? And our relationship's a lot different. We try to build rapport and trust so that they want to work with us. And so, you know, there's 600 officers that are writing homeless people tickets and fines we try to do that as a last resort i mean we do have it in our toolbox if we have to but our focus is really building that rapport building that trust and then if they can trust us then we can get them into some programs and move on you talked about the programs um you know some people think that the way to solve homelessness is just to provide housing but could you speak a little bit about that yes well honestly i think one of our first mistakes when we started because we were all new Mm -hmm. is we were getting homeless into housing and then going okay we did our job and then (laughs) a month later they're getting evicted because the real reasons why they were homeless in the first place are still there so getting them into housing necessarily isn't uh, solving anything so we saw a gap in the community of uh, having social workers to case managers to meet with them on a weekly basis to make sure they don't recidivate back into homelessness and keep them housed and, and really work on the issues of why they were homeless in the first place. So what we did is I saw a grant that opened up to the Department of Justice and then I wanted to part, we had, it required I partner with an agency. So I partnered with our city housing department. We won the grant, it was a million dollars. With that, we were able to buy or uh, hire some social workers and case managers that are going to help the people that we get into housing to stay to be stabilized and not recidivate back into homelessness. 
So now it, we all see people out on the street corners asking for change, that sort of thing. So what would your advice be to someone who sees them out asking for spare change or whatever? Do you want them to give to them or what? Yeah, obviously not. But what would be a better avenue for them to be able to help out? Yeah, I mean, well, just, you know, first thing on my little soapbox on that, uh, there was a study done that showed that 93% of panhandlers admitted, admitted that the money was going to drugs and alcohol and tobacco because uh, a lot of the resources, the free food, free health care, clothing, and all that stuff we can get in the community. Um, so that's typically what that money is going towards is their vice. We're trying to get them off the drugs and, and the substance abuse issues. So if you're giving them money, you're kind of hurting all the work that we're doing to help turn these people's lives around. And, you know, really, but at the same time, you see someone there, you want to help. You know, we encourage don't do a transaction in the middle of the street. That's actually illegal. It's a misdemeanor. Um, you can pull off the road. You can go up and uh, hand them one of our homeless brochures with all these resources. You can download that off of our city website on the wichitapolice.com. You find our homeless outreach team. There's a PDF there. You can print those off, hand those out, and it has all the places to get free food and resources for them, shelter, space, everything. I know that Wichita does a, does a good job. As a, as a community, we do a good job of, of helping our homeless population, our unhoused neighbors. Um, have we seen the number of unhoused people go up over the years you know we hear that from people sometimes that it seems like there's more and more unhoused people um unhoused so actually our homeless population for the last 10 years has been pretty stable our chronic homeless population actually dramatically dropped when our hot team started partnering with um the providers so that was good we had i want to say like 140 when we started and at one point we got down to 20 which was an 86 percent decrease in our chronic which is homeless for a year longer than disabling condition, substance abuse, or mental health. Um, so that's been good because keep in mind other cities across the nation have had increases. Um, the, the other thing that was important is about a year ago, so our unsheltered was 9.9%, whereas nationally that's 35%. Wow. Now I will say there has been a slight increase, I think a lot of it because of COVID and um, you know, individuals being scared to go into buildings because of COVID, so they, they weren't using the shelters. And I think that jumped up this past year a little bit. Um, but for the most part, we're still under the national average. So we're, and, and that really, I think, also what got attention from federally in Washington, D.C., is uh, seeing the number of unsheltered and the dr- dr- drop in our chronic homeless population versus the rest of the, rest of the city, you know. So, um, but yeah, we're seeing a little bit of increase in people camping outside and tents and stuff. And so we're, we always constantly try to adjust and, and see, you know, what changes can we make as a team? So now as, as it gets colder, you know, every year you guys go out and you're letting them know, hey, I, I think that was one, the ride along I did with you. Hey, it's going to be cold here yeah. in a couple of days. Talk, talk a little bit about what you guys do there. Right. So every year, I mean, we do a lot of different things, our focus. Sometimes it's, it's visiting campsites and stopping illegal camping, like on a sidewalk and blocking things, getting dispatched to 911 calls that are homeless related or addressing panhandlers. Uh, but when it gets cold, like we, our number one priority is to get the message out. Um, we're trying to visit as many camps as we can. Um, we typically, in the last few years, we, we print flyers off, which we have one that's being printed off here soon. Uh, it's getting ready to hit the print. And um, we're getting that information out to the homeless uh, at those locations. We'll transport if they want. You know, we'll do that. And that's our number one priority. Very good. Anything else you want to tell us about the homeless outreach team? 
um, if people want to help. Um, we do technically accept donations. We have a program called Finding Our Finding Our Way Home program, and if it's a homeless person, I know you've donated to it before, yeah. Tyler. Yep. So th- thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but if you have a um, uh, if you want to donate, we have a homeless person who has a friend or family that's willing to take them in, and we can verify that. We'll buy them a bus ticket, and it's all tax deductible. Um, and then we uh, can get them on the bus, get them food, and make sure they get to where they're going to be, where they're not homeless anymore. We're not shipping homeless people out to be homeless in another city. It's homeless to housed with a uh, bus ticket. It's all through private donations. None of it's tax dollars. Very good. Dad joke time. All right. Do you want to go first? No. No? Nate, I'll let you go first. Okay. What does a, a baby laptop say? Dada. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Now Tyler is the joke ruiner. Yes, I kill jokes now. All right, Megan? All right. Why did the burglar wear blue gloves? Because he... uh, I don't know. Don't know. He didn't want to be caught red-handed. I was going to say that. I was going to say that, but I was like, no. (laughs) Very good, Megan. Mm -hmm. What do snowmen call their kids? You can't look at my screen, by the way. I'm not looking. Okay. What do snowmen call their kids? An ice chip off the old block. That, that one's not whoa. good. That was pretty know. good. That might be better, actually. Yeah. Chill, Dren. Oh, that's pretty good. I like that. I see the snow. <laughs> yes. Mm. Okay. All right, Nate, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, so. thank you. All right, and thank you for watching. If uh, you have any questions, comments, please email us at social at We can answer your questions on the show, or if you have a topic you want us to talk about, we'll bring that person on. So thanks for watching.